0: chapter five of the crock of gold by james Stevens. this librivox recording is in the public domain read for you by michelle fry baton rouge louisiana chapter five when the leprechaun came through the pine wood on the following day he met two children at a little distance from the house he raised his open right hand above his head this is both the fairy and the gaelic form of salutation and would have passed on but that a thought brought him to a halt sitting down before the two children he stared at them for a long time and they stared back at him at last he said to the boy what is your name Vigo? seamus bay sir the boy replied it's a little name said the leprechaun it's what my mother calls me sir returned the boy what does your father call you? was the next question. Seamus Rowan Maladune O'Carroll Macandroid, sir. It's a big name, said the leprechaun, and he turned to the little girl. What is your name? Cataline Vigo? Bridget Beggs, sir. And what does your father call you? He never calls me at all, sir. Well, Seamusine and Breedine you are good little children and i like you very much health be with you until i come to see you again and then the leprechaun went back the way he had come as he went he made little jumps and cracked his fingers and sometimes he rubbed one leg against the other that's a nice leprechaun said seamus i like him too said bridget listen said seamus let me be the leprechaun and you be the two children and i will ask you our names so they did that the next day the leprechaun came again he sat down beside the children and as before he was silent for a little time are you not going to ask us our names sir said seamus his sister smoothed out her dress shyly my name sir is bridget Begg, said she did you ever play jack stones said the leprechaun no sir said seamus "'I'll teach you how to play jackstones,' said the leprechaun, "'and he picked up some pinecones and taught the children that game. "'Did you ever play ball in the decker?' "'No, sir,' said Seamus. "'Did you ever play I Can Make a Nail with My Rero daddy O? I "'I Can Make a Nail with My Row Ray?' "'No, sir,' replied Seamus. "'It's a nice game,' said the leprechaun, "'and so is Cap on the Back and Twenty-Four Yards on the Billy Goat's Tail,' and towns and relievo and leapfrog i'll teach you all these games said the leprechaun and i'll teach you how to play knifey and hole and taw and hornies and robbers leapfrog is the best one to start with so i'll teach it to you at once let you bend down like this Bredeen, and you bend down like that a good distance away Seamus. now i jump over Bredeen's back and then I run and jump over Seamusine's back like this, and then I run ahead again, and I bend down. Now, Breedine, you jump over your brother, and then you jump over me, and run a good bit on, and bend down again. Now, Seamus, it's your turn. You jump over me, and then over your sister, and then you run on and down again, and I jump. This is a fine game, sir, said Seamus it is a vic vig. keep in your head said the leprechaun that's a good jump you couldn't beat that jump seamus i can jump better than bridget already replied seamus and i'll jump as well as you do when i get more practice keep in your head sir almost without noticing it they had passed through the edge of the wood and were playing into a rough field which was cumbered with big grey rocks it was the very last field in sight, and behind it the rough heather-packed mountains sloped distantly away to the skyline. There was a raggedy blackberry hedge all around the field, and there were long, tough, haggard-looking plants growing in clumps here and there near a corner of this field. There was a broad, low tree, and as they played, they came nearer and nearer to it. The leprechaun gave a back very close to the tree. Seamus ran and jumped and slid down a hole at the side of the tree then bridget ran and jumped and slid down the same hole dear me said bridget as she flashed out of sight the leprechaun cracked his fingers and rubbed one leg against the other and then he also dived into the hole and disappeared from view when the time at which the children usually went home had passed the thin woman of inish McGraw became a little anxious She had never known them to be late for dinner before. There was one of the children whom she hated, it was her own child, but as she had forgotten which of them was hers, and as she loved one of them, she was compelled to love both for fear of making a mistake and chastising the child for whom her heart secretly yearned. Therefore she was equally concerned about both of them. Dinner time passed, and supper time arrived, but the children did not again and again the thin woman went out through the dark pine trees and called until she was so hoarse that she could not even hear herself when she roared the evening wore on to the night and while she waited for the philosopher to come in she reviewed the situation her husband had not come in the children had not come in the leprechaun had not returned as arranged a light flashed upon her the leprechaun had kidnapped her children she announced a vengeance against the leprechauns which would stagger humanity while in the extreme centre of her ecstasy the philosopher came through the trees and entered the house the thin woman flew to him husband she said the leprechauns of gortna have kidnapped our children the philosopher gazed at her for a moment kidnapping said he has been for many centuries a favourite occupation of fairies gypsies and the brigands of the east the usual procedure is to attach a person and hold it to ransom if the ransom is not paid an ear or a finger may be cut from the captive and dispatched to those interested with the statement that an arm or a leg will follow in a week unless suitable arrangements are entered into "'Do you understand,' said the thin woman passionately, "'that it is your own children who have been kidnapped?' "'I do not,' said the philosopher.' This course, however, is rarely followed by the fairy people. They do not ordinarily steal for ransom, but for love of thieving, or from some other obscure and possibly functional causes, and the victim is retained in their forts or duns until, by the affliction of time, they forget their origin and become peaceable citizens of the fairy state. Kidnapping is not by any means confined to either humanity or the fairy people. "'Monster!' "'said the thin woman in a deep voice. "'Will you listen to me?' i will not said the philosopher many of the insectivora also practise this custom ants for example are a respectable race living in well-ordered communities they have attained to a most complex and artificial civilization and will frequently adventure far afield on colonizing or other expeditions from whence they return with a rich booty of aphids and other stock who thenceforward become the servants and domestic creatures of the republic as they neither kill nor eat their captives this practice will be termed kidnapping the same may be said of bees a hardy and industrious race living in hexagonal cells which are very difficult to make sometimes on lacking a queen of their own they have been observed to abduct one from a less powerful neighbour and use her for their own purposes without shame mercy or remorse will you not understand screamed the thin woman i will not said the philosopher semi-tropical apes have been rumoured to kidnap children and are reported to use them very tenderly indeed sharing their coconuts, yams plantains and other equatorial provender with the largest generosity and conveying their delicate captives from tree to tree often at great distances from each other and from the ground with the most guarded solicitude and benevolence i am going to bed said the thin woman your stir about is on the hob are there lumps in it my dear said the philosopher i hope there are replied the thin woman and she leaped into bed that night the philosopher was afflicted with the most extraordinary attack of rheumatism he had ever known nor did he get any ease until the gray morning wearied his lady into a reluctant slumber End of chapter 5